uncle by marriage, right? He was he mm. was with my aunt when when they were teens when I was born. So he was he was sort of like a figure for me, but he was not my father. When he finally had children, you know, the attention gets gets geared towards them. So again, I, I'm absent. I, I don't have that in my life. But once again, you know, but so those things have hurting. You are very welcome to the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, where it does exactly what it says on the tin, it talks straight about mental health. We do that through our own lived experiences, and we do it through the lives of our guests. This week on the show, we are talking to Eris Dejan, all the way from Canada, and he's going to be talking to us about growing up without a dad, growing up in foster care. Originally, the topic was going to be foster care, but the conversation went a different kind of way, and I think... I think growing up without a dad is probably a better uh, a better topic around this week, and it's definitely something a lot of people can relate to. So really looking forward to that. Ladies, if you haven't already, check out the YouTube. You're going to want to check out the YouTube. He's a good-looking dude. He's a, he's a model, so check out the YouTube. <laughs> definitely better to see visually than just, just to hear them. Really nice guy, and I really enjoyed, and really enjoyed our conversation. So you've got that to look forward to later on. But before all of that, my name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. I don't do this podcast on my own. I couldn't do this podcast on my own. I can only do that with the beautiful, settled this week. Well, we'll see. I thought she was last week, but she, she kind of took off as we were recording. <laughs> so I'll not make any promises yet. The beautiful Ashling Mailer, my partner in podcast, partner in life, partner in crime, mm-hmm. as you pulled me on last week. How are ye? How are ye? How are ye? How are ye? Everyone. Never how are ye? ye? No, but collectively, <laughs> how are ye? How are ye? How are ye all doing? Mm. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. If you haven't already, check out the check out the YouTube channel. As I said, you're gonna check out uh Ares. So you might as well check us out as well. We've got three previous episodes. This is mm. our fourth, this is our fourth YouTube video, yeah. yeah. So good good response so far. Ashing likes them. She she just watches the YouTube now. She doesn't listen back to the episode. No. So just zooming in on her white teeth as we as we talked about, uh, and the pop the pop against our new red lipstick, as we spoke about last week. The stop doing your your old one. I've well stocked up. Yeah. So anyone that has had trouble getting Smashbox, that thing's bought it all. <laughs> so and somebody's bought it all. No more red lipstick available. It's been new. Let's do the social media. I've seen the fly. Oh fuck! Do you want to go and get the fly? No, go on, go on, get the fly. Go on. So we, you spoke about it. This was your smile before, wasn't it? Show the camera. Fucking Venus Williams, eat your heart out. No, so. it's not because I can't actually get it. <laughs> see, right? Let's let's see. If, let's see if she can get it. No, 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 no. no. Let it come to me. <laughs> All right. So there's a blue bottle who, unbeknown to himself, his days are numbered. Let's see. I might. I got his brother early. <laughs> <laughs> um. What was, what was I saying? Oh, the social media. Yeah, you, you you took over that last week. So, oh right, okay. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. No, it's not, slow down because when I pop the graphics up, there's no time for them to stay. Because you're like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I was like, well, that's there, how there, there we talk. The we talk quick, catch up. <laughs> All right. Okay. So people can get us on Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, TikTok on SDMH podcast. There you go. And the website is. Oh my god! Right, all that. But dot com. 
<laughs> stmhpodcast.com. There you will find our newsletter. You'll find a link to all the social media. If you don't want to search for at stmhpodcast, you can click on the links for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the TikTok and the TikTok Live. I was back doing the TikTok Live last week. And the email to check us out, to let us know any of your feedback, to give us some of your comments. If you want to come on to be a guest, you can do that with hello at stmhpodcast.com if you don't want to slide into the DMs on Deuter, Deuter Media. Mm-hmm. How have you been doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm good. We had a lovely day today. Um, if anybody hasn't been or they're considering going, Marble Arch Caves, mm. it's fantastic. Maybe not for the kids. I was just going to say. <laughs> it was great for the adults. <laughs> it's meant for the kids. It's, it's advertised for like, mostly. Family. Family, family yeah. And I love school trips go there too. Well, now, is this your smile? No, no, no. All right, that's good. Yeah. No. Just want to make sure you're not blowing your load. No. All right. So, um, no. But I'm, you're in good form because of. Oh, yeah, because it was lovely. Like, yeah, the caves. It was just. Like, not, uh, not the kids. No, they, they didn't enjoy it. So <laughs> It's just rocks. It was just ro- an hour talking about rocks. And it's like, yeah, no, but it was really good. I, yeah, I enjoy yeah. it. It's very interesting. Yeah. And the wee boat out to it and all is, is great. So. No, it's not a boat out of it. It's a boat under the caves. It's a boat in the caves. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's how old was it? You Googled it? 357 million years. Yeah. And then them, them two rocks you go under that. Oh, 13,000. Oh, 13, or they're from the Ice Age. Or yeah, something. but how much did they weigh? The, the same weight oh, as two. Each one was the same weight as two double decker buses. So you're going under that thinking, is this yeah. the day it's going to drop? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, it was really, really good. It's, I've been a couple of times now. Mm. and it was really enjoyable. I enjoyed yeah. each time, yeah. Kids, not so much, but, but we loved it. And yeah. Really, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, I don't think kids, yeah, like I say, the kids didn't enjoy it at all. They didn't I just don't appreciate think, it. Yeah, I just don't appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're that, when you're that young, you've no concept of what a million is. I don't know, 357. Oh, but I thought James would have enjoyed it with his age being six. I thought mm. he would have seen it so much bigger and it would have been more exciting. Like, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he would have had more, a little bit more over, but. Unless he was listening was good, to Ethan. Though. Yeah, probably could do the cool, yeah. the cool older Take brother, a leaf yeah, from the, so. from the big dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so could have been that. Made you smile. You, you had a you had a nice day. You had a lovely day there. Yeah. What the what did we have last week? Last week was our check in. Oh, we had oh, a check in episode. Yeah. So for people that don't know, so this is the first half of the podcast where we check in with ourselves, just what's going on in our lives, how we've been mm-hmm. feeling, what's got us smiling and roiling before our guest airs on later on, and we have a guest on or a topic every second week, mm. and. The other week then is our check-in. So that's just topics that come out of our conversations. Mm-hmm. And last week was cost of living and journaling. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this week we're not having a check-in. Well, we are. This is our check-in part, but Funny, there's no topic. I'll stop you there just for two seconds. When you mentioned journaling, um, I've actually, do you know what I was considering doing? I just found it on my phone, voice notes. So that would be actually better for me yeah, to yeah. keep up with what I was saying in terms of instead of writing. So mm. I suppose it's all, it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah, never, whatever works for collecting you. Collecting your, your memories and all that. Yeah. So yeah. We've got one big, big issue to clear up. Is that it? <laughs> Can we just say, right, this is a microphone. I was disappointed too. This last- is what he advertised on online dating. <laughs> Well, you fucking sold it last week, <laughs> giddy hole. Last week, you were a little bit giddy. Mm-hmm. It was the hot weather. Mm-hmm. It was the caffeine. I get to Raymond's Raymond's correspondence in a minute, mm-hmm. but unbeknownst to us, because we were engaged in conversation and we're not really paying too close attention yeah. to 
the mug that was placed in front of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Not not this one. I don't know if you can see it on this camera this week. But the mug in my house. And it started with Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew was the first. So, Andrew, nice to hear from you again. Uh, it's been a while. He said it. He probably wasn't the first to think it. Oh, no. Well, he was the, he was the fucking first to say it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there was no going back. Just to confirm, that's a microphone on the table, right? Mm-hmm. At which point, that was it. Neither of us could unsee it. No. It looked like as the next person to contact me was my friend Brendan. You would have heard me talk about Brendan on the podcast before. So Brendan sends me, so not on Facebook this time, Brendan sends me a screen grab from TikTok, the TikTok at STMH podcast. Mm. Why is there a dildo on your table? <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's his comment. That was number two. Next was my uncle. Oh, your uncle? Yeah, a former uncle. What you do know. you mean for? Oh, he marriage. was an uncle married. Oh, right, okay. He stopped. Because he stopped being, stopped being my uncle. So I had shared one of the posts onto my own private Facebook. And he says, for fuck's sake, how do you expect to be taken seriously when there's a huge black dildo on your table? <laughs> now, can we just say... It's Alan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mold. We got creative. <laughs> can we just say, we didn't think that. You're no. the fucking perverts. And we would have been the first. Oh, we, oh yeah. given how you were last no, week. No, but we would have been like that. Anyway, we watching and we would have gone, yeah. oh my God. No, but you just zoom in on your teeth. You don't watch it anyway. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, I do. But yeah, no, I would have seen that. Yeah, so thanks thanks for all the comments around the dildo mm-hmm. on the table. Can the cup now. Yeah, I don't know if you'll see it. Mm-hmm. So apologies, but get your fucking minds out of the gutter. It's a microphone. It's not a dildo. If that technology was there, Ashley would have it. <laughs> let's have let's have a microphone dildo <laughs> so thanks thanks to everyone around those comments let's get to Raimondo Raimondo let's get to Raimondo we've had correspondence from multiple correspondents from Raymond in the past nice to hear from you again Raymond listen to the latest podcast today it's tough all over so this is going back to the cost of living one there are many reasons for it mostly our leaders I'll agree with that. getting people to see the wolves in sheep's clothing can wreck your mental health Sometimes it's better to just walk away. I did so. I go to my Facebook account and now just like and now just look without liking or commenting. I'm also closing my circle to a smaller size. You had a recent cull as well, didn't you? You, you appreciate a good cull. Oh, I do like a good it, cull. I love yeah, a good cull. I yeah. love a good cull. And it's hard for us to cull because we've got fairly small numbers. Anyway. Oh, I'm less than you. I told yeah. you what, I mean, I've got yeah. my phone book. Yeah. <laughs> the world has become so overwhelming. So, so time to simplify things. I and my wife are doing well, despite the pressures of society. I've done well in the past months managing my bipolar issues and hope to continue that trend. I recently had to spend seven days in jail for what should have been a health slash mental health issue. I brought positivity to that experience. Yay. Raymond's words. Yay. Not mine. I'm not going, yay. You're, mm-hmm. in, you're in jail for seven days. I have to thank the two of you for the laughs. Wow. What are you two smoking? Just kidding. Keep bringing the fun. It's needed in these times. No, he's not kidding. He's yeah. actually asking us what we were smoking. Yeah, well, what were you smoking last week? You were wired. You were fucking... It was the sun. It was that... this The hot weather had you hot and bothered. <laughs> it even got to the point when we were out in public, I was saying stuff, and you were making the double entendre out of it. Mm. And it got to the point where me, me, mm. like, the fucking king of sexual innuendos, the king of cursive, no, e- even, even I'm like... Censor myself. I'm having to. Ch- no, don't don't say it. It's too hard to read because he's just going to jump on hard. Don't say anything that could be misconstrued. So it's just like, okay, yes, yeah. thank you. No, there was one point where I was ho- getting you to hold a Dada bottle of wine. Bottle of wine. So we put up put the but video. But then we kind of was a bit nervous about the, putting that because we didn't realize we didn't know that. But people think, 
Oh, Am I shit. expecting or yeah. something? <laughs> She's expecting they're going to celebrate with a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was... Uh, yeah, you, were, you were giddy last week and that's, that's all right. At least, we, at least we bring the crack on the podcast. It was... Everybody gets giddy at times. Yeah. You can't say the same every day. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so nice to hear from you again, Raymond, and hope you're, hope you're doing well. Just keep looking after yourself and looking after your mental health as we are here to do. Mm-hmm. We're, here to, we're here to encourage that sort of stuff. Oh, one of the other things that needs to be mentioned about last week as well. Mm. Oh. oh, your tattoo! Right, you had okay. your vest top on last week. Can we take a picture? Can we take a picture of your tattoo? Can we put it up? You want a picture of my tattoo? Yeah, it's so like blurred. And oh, it's so bad. You can blame my friend Ashley. For tell that. us, tell us the story about about your tattoo. Right. So I li- literally had a two year relationship. Came out of it. I was eighteen at the time, and me and my best friend at the time decided uh, that I was going to get a tattoo out of boredom. And I didn't have an idea of what tattoo. I just wanted a tattoo. And he was like, oh, this is a good tattoo. I was like, okay, I'll get that one. And no one could have said that was a good tattoo. He did. And he says, that'll do. That's a good tattoo. And I was like, no, that's grand. I'll take your advice. So are you going to gonna put a picture up? Take a picture of your tattoo and put it up? Oh, dear God. There's no, because it's so... <laughs> well, you can see it. I, I was going to do it last week. I was going to zoom in. You, you can't. I, I, I can zoom in. See, on it the... doesn't bo- It bothers you more it than I, me, yeah. because I don't see it. So. I fucking see it. But I, you know, it's like I said to you, I don't want to ever cover it up because I got lovely memories of that day. But you still had the memories of that day. No, because every time you slag me, right, about my tattoo, I go back to that day and I'm like, nah, I'm not getting rid of it. No, it's too nice. I, I have a nice <laughs> so, day. So, spite. No, I've always been like, I know it's shitty. You've always been spiteful. No, I've always loved that. Not I, I love the memory of the tattoo. Um, it's like a souvenir. It's like you, you keep me- mementos. Buy your fucking bracelet. <laughs> but you you keep mementos and it's get a fucking fridge to... magnet. Oh. <laughs> Don't fucking scar yourself for the rest of your life. I was eighteen at the time. I was a kid. Do so... you know what? I was eighteen as well. But I got a cover up. Like Don't that. describe it then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a? A dagger going through a heart or something like that. Through it, like, oh, you know? that's, yeah, that's literally all it's short of. Yeah. So yeah. um no, it's fine. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't harm me. I can cover it quite easily. Like how many tattoos have I got? I've got five tattoos, and every single one I've always made sure that yeah. I can hide. Three in my neck, one in my shoulder, one in my foot. Five. Nah, that's a, that's a collection of the kids' names. When I had only one kid and I had Aoife, it, someone said to me, "It looks like you just need a number underneath it as a football." <laughs> And that was just like I need a, I need a, I just need another kid just to add another <laughs> name. That what yeah. No, so Ethan, that's why you're here. <laughs> no, Mummy needed a fucking bit of something extra on her neck. <laughs> <laughs> and she's off. She had a good run. How far in are we? You we have a couple of me. things added out there. Seventy minutes. We're about fifteen minutes in. She did well. He did well. I didn't say anything. I didn't. No. You didn't have to. That's I your. That's, know on, you well that's enough. on you. No, I know that's you well you. enough. Mm-hmm. So that's the social media correspondence. Big shout out to Mr. Stephen Hogan, who gave us a share on his Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Something I always forget to do. I always mm. forget to prompt people to give a share on their story because I just don't use it enough to think of it. So Stephen had shared onto a story, a great podcast for mental health and tagged us with our with our video. Thanks so much, Stephen. So no problem. Keep up the good work. Stephen is a singer in Ireland and Lanzarote. Love so that. I, I imagine he's off in an Irish bar or something somewhere in the sun. I'd hope so. Yeah. We Sipping got the pints. Rain. Yeah. Mm. Lashing rain here this evening. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much, Stephen. If you could do like Stephen does, give us a share on your on your story. That'd be hugely appreciated. And what I also always forget to do is we don't have a username for the youtube yet mm. we need 100 subscribers so if you could give a subscribe mm-hmm. onto youtube that would really help us out and the also the thing to do would be to subscribe 
like the video and just drop a comment below. Just saying that, yeah. Drop a comment, guys. Uh, even on TikTok as well. Like you can do it, it on TikTok. Oh, you can do it on TikTok. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. it does all help because mm-hmm. that's, I don't know, whatever it does with the algorithm. Mm-hmm. People are commenting, people are interacting, people are engaging with it. So if you do see any of our posts, don't just scroll by. Just hit a like, hit a yeah. comment. That's, and that helps. Mm-hmm. And thanks to everyone. Thanks to everyone that does that. It's, it's really appreciated. As did uh, Jackie. She also gives, she always gives a share on Facebook as well. So thanks very much, Jackie. Jackie's an art therapist. Thank you very much. Social media plugs out of the way. Thanks. YouTube's so. think, out of the way. I think that's myself, yeah. Okay. Smiles and rhymes. Smiles and my blah. blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. blah. Don't we get don't we get naughty now? Who are we doing? Blah, blah. Is that how we start? <laughs> doing a blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the code. <laughs> or is that just his face? <laughs> Jesus you know, like, and we're off. This <laughs> happy face. <laughs> I can't unsee that now. <laughs> Black dildos, my face. Well, you fucking said enough last week. Okay, yeah, I he doesn't do that face <laughs> much. Um, right, so me, you. Smiles and Riles. What have you got for me? Smiles, am I going for? Smiles and Riles. You normally go smiles. Give, give us a... You want me to go first? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, went to Belfast on Tuesday with the children and mm. my mother dearest. And I just love that place. I just... I'm trying to get, I'm trying to figure out, is this going to be your smile or your rile? This is my smile. Oh, your smile, okay. Yeah, because I yeah. still enjoyed myself at the end of the day. The people are lovely. Um, <laughs> stupid me. Obviously, it's a tiny bit of a rile because I get stressed out very easily. I get lost. I had between uh, Google Maps trying to tell me where to go mm-hmm. uh, to the hotel. And then you were looking for my live location to tell me where to go. And then... Sent you step-by-step instructions. Screen grabbed. Yeah, and then I was, and then thank you to the guy at Cafe Nero. I think that could be it, or could be Starbucks. Yeah, I don't you know. Think it me, Cafe Nero. Yeah, he was the one that made it really simple because you were going go down this road, then you and you were saying the names of the roads, and I'm like, no, I wasn't saying the names of the road. I was telling you to shop because like, you turn no, right I at Duns, and I'm, like so. Apparently, Google Maps is the problem. So me and is. the millions of other people in the world that use Google Maps. It's not. It's, it's not Google Maps. Oh, I was stood there, and you can turn around, and it'll still show you the arrow, and it's like yeah, you need to calibrate your. But I was doing all that resty movement. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. So uh, is that when you got your tattoo? Is that the sort of stuff you'd be doing? What that? No, that's me with the line trying to get a little <laughs> guy. I think the neighbors. The electric tennis racket. So um, yeah, no, he he simplified it for me because I says to him, I says like, can you tell me how to get here? I've already followed Google Maps once and ended up in Nando's. Um, so I found as well get someone to eat while I'm here. Um, true story. Second time I tried to follow it, ended up at Cafe Nero. So he was like, uh, yeah, it's a bit complicated. And he was like, turn right, turn left, turn right, go down, turn right. You see a post office, keep going down, turn left, you'll see a pub. That's it there. And I was like, right. Oh, I was so stressed. My, you are stressed. Uh, my, had a I had a headache at the end of it all. I had to get a coffee and I was just like, oh my God, no. I was, think about it. It's not just me on my own. I had three young, young kids behind me too. So you're trying to keep an eye on them, trying to keep an eye on your phone. It was raining. So I'm and trying to, oh yeah, I was trying to keep the phone dry from the rain too. So my cover's like, my coat's like that over it. I'm trying to look. Google Maps is just saying, fuck you, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That was the prompt they gave you. Fuck you. Doesn't find your matter. own fucking Yeah, way. find your own. Belfast people are just lovely. I mean, I think it's one of those places where you could go and you could be alone and you'd still make a friend or you could still chat to somebody cheery story <laughs> but yeah it's just a lovely place with lovely people um and yeah i just can't get enough of it. and i don't like big cities i don't but i think i go more for the people 
because every time I've gone there, you, you, you end up speaking to somebody. I've never had a bad experience in Belfast, you know, in terms of the, the people that live there. Except for like a seafood that. restaurant we went to. Oh, that was nasty. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm talking in terms of the people and stuff like that. They're, mm. they're just amazing people. Like, they're so lovely and just, yeah, definitely. So, I, Belfast or the trip to Belfast, I just went? Let's skip the trip. <laughs> Because that was stressful. Oh, when you got to the hotel, maybe you were already. Yeah, once I got to the hotel, I was grand. Mm. Got lost trying to get back again. But it wasn't as bad because trying to get to... Your destination is more stressful than actually leaving the destination, I think. At that point, I hadn't cared. Like, you know. But, um, yeah, so I had a really nice time in Belfast. We did a couple of restaurants and the kids were happy. And, you know, that's the main thing. Everybody slept. Delilah finally slept at 12, but she did sleep. She wasn't up all night like I suspected. <laughs> Me and my daughter, we had the fit of giggles. <laughs> my eldest daughter, yeah. Um, the one that's got the exact same humor as me. We just, I love their memories where you're cry laughing. <laughs> You know, and you, me and her were trying to whisper because we all shared a room. So there's there's five people in a room, like, and me and her were cry laughing. We were just having the best way now, and we we're trying to whisper at the same time. Do you know and, what? Because you know what you were doing. Do you know what they were doing, Agnes? They were laughing at your snoring. No, no. Do you want me to show you what <laughs> I was doing? Oh, oh no, 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 no. But that was that's how it was starting. I'm going to show you a picture, but you don't don't put this online. I, won't, I won't put it online. I, I respect Agnes. I wouldn't be laughing at your snoring. No, like no. your daughter and granddaughter would. No, be. she will kill me. So I did this. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna fucking kill oh, you. Oh, I sent it to her in messenger. Oh, right. So I took oh, a picture. She, of her. she sent it to me. Or oh, she just showed, showed me. Showed um, yeah. That was us. But yeah, yeah, it was good. It was it was good fun and that bonding with your children. You, you need that. You mm. need that one on one. It wasn't us. To, you know, it wasn't. You do need to bond and have yeah, that yeah. quality time with your children as much as possible. So mm. yeah, that was it. It was lovely. Nice, nice smile. Lovely smile, lovely. Like I said, Belfast, go okay. your rail. Is it me? No, again, not to, just not today. I feel like it should be now. I could be. Please, <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> I got a big, I got a big rail. Um, did you see this during the week? Uh, Dave Chappelle, stand-up comedian, had a show cancelled. Who? Hours Listen. before the get the fucking one of the greatest stand-up comedy comedians of all time, Dave Chappelle. Oh, anyway, for everyone that knows. See, now I'm thinking of your guy who does Doctor Who. Doctor Who? David Tennant? No, there's Chappelle. You've said something that sounds like him. Who's the, he's the older one? He did it. Peter Capaldi? Yeah, it's not <laughs> him. <laughs> Dave Chappelle is definitely not Peter Capaldi. Uh, so the venue cancelled a couple of hours before, and Chappelle was accused of making some transphobic remarks uh, on one of his Netflix specials. Myself and Peter spoke about it. The trans community have uh, kind of put a target on him, the same way as they did with J.K. Rowling. Mm. Myself and um, myself and Ares make a point later on. This before I haven't discussed any of this with, with him on the show. It's like the problem for people now, they want to define you by one thing that you say. Mm. Now, no matter how extreme that is, and then they will ignore the thousands of other things that you've you've said that they've agreed with. They just want to go, okay, now I don't like you. And now I have to attack mm. you because you've said this one thing that I don't like. And look, trans community, if, if that's how you feel, no problem. What did he say? I can't remember. Oh, I can't okay. remember. A lot of it was misconstrued. A lot of it was taken out of context. Was it a joke, was it? Yeah, he's making right, okay. it over. But it's also social commentary. And uh, when you watch it back, the venue, big venue, cancelled. Mm. Hours before the gig, 
due to pressure from staff and uh, protesters around it. So one of the things, that, one of the things that I did say in a statement is we believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression, but in honouring that, we lost sight of the impact this would have. So you believe in diverse voices and you believe in the freedom of artistic expression, mm-hmm. but you fucking cancel a gig because you don't agree with what someone has said. Mm. So I just, I just think this, like, if you don't fucking like something, don't go to it. Mm. There's plenty of stuff I don't like. Do you know what I do? Mm. I don't go to it. No, but that was a protest, was it? There was p- people protesting yeah, so they outside. Going to the yeah, that's probably we came out a health and safety issue. No, there was like fifty people, but they oh, cancelled right. before oh, okay. it. Oh, right. The staff were threatening to walk out or something because of All his right. because of his comments. Okay. Um. So don't fucking book him in the first place. Mm. It's not like you wouldn't have known about this controversy. He's one of the probably. Well, I suppose Kevin Hart is probably a little bit no- more known because of his movies and mm. stuff like that. But Chappelle has been maybe one of the best known comedians in the world except okay. by you <laughs> so yeah so that was that had me riled and then Quidditch there's a fucking real life Quidditch league have you seen this you know Quidditch from Harry Potter yeah I know what it sort is sort of run around with a broom in between their legs oh embarrassing yeah right, so okay. that they've changed their name to Quidball because there's they had a- adults doing this yeah 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 so you run around with a broom between your legs throwing the ball into Jesus I'm sure this isn't a movie you've seen by yourself <sighs> fucking <laughs> Harry, Harry Pooter and the fucking <laughs> the Order of the Dildos. <laughs> the Order of the Dildos. <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> oh, so they wanted to distance themselves, distance themselves. Well, two reasons. One, they were in copyright against Home Warner Barson, Brothers, no. right? And then they were going out against what J.K. Rowling had said of some transphobic remarks she had made of you know, women get periods, men don't, or something like this. She's, something like that was the, was the comment that she made around trans men and trans women. Mm. So they're trying to distance themselves from J.K. Rowling. The made-up game that she invented in her books, that real-life people decided to run around the field grabbing a broom with, and they're changing their names. So it's like, you're trying to fucking take a moral stance, go, we don't believe with J.K. Rowling. Grant, stop playing the fucking game she invented. That, that, that was me... They just happen to pop up on the There's same so day. much you could say about that, but I'm not uh, into it. Like, so. but don't one, don't book fucking Dave Chappelle if you don't know what he's what he's doing. Everyone knows Chappelle. Everyone knows the controversy that was around the closer stand up. Mm. And don't be claiming that you believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression when you deny someone the freedom you know of artistic expression. Around? Is it just like hitting you know side what? to side? Hang on. Or do they have to hold it still? And I'll do they jump? You. Like I want to know, know. Is there some kind of like height? This is a fucking UCLA. There they are. They're all setting up the rings. I've seen an owl. The seeker. Oh, stop. Oh, is the yellow guy the ball, the, the golden oh, this, ball? This, I, thought they had, I thought they had brooms. Oh, he does have a broom. Look, that guy had a broom. Thought... Oh, they do have brooms. Oh He's gosh. a snitch. Oh, no. So we don't have sound. They're kids. They're kids. Okay. They're fucking college students. That's UCLA. You know what? But that's grand. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. So they want to be seen to taking this moral stance, but only by changing the name of the game because Warner Brothers is going to sue them, really. Mm. But they want to make it out, oh, we're against what she said, but we're not against the game. So that's so now you know, there's something you learned today. If you didn't know, folks, there is real life Quidditch. You can check out UCLA's million and a half views almost. As, as the expression I got from my client during the week, I'm not going to yuck their yum. Yeah, you've said that a few times. Yeah, what an, it's, what it's an not, epic it's expression. It's not dropping with me at all. Yeah, it's I, not like flying. It, I like it. But, you know, if you're taking a stance, take a fucking stance. Mm. Go play a fucking lacrosse or something. It's not, it's not a million miles away. Do you know what I'd do? I'd just say anybody that was behind me, I'd just whack them with the bridge <laughs> of the back. 
<laughs> or I'd try and dip it to trip them up. You'd just be fucking rubbing yourself off the broom. <laughs> You'd be sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so that's, that's, that's me, Royal, anyway. She this canceling, is just my accessory. Cancelling Ch- <laughs> Chappelle and, and the quid ball. Quidditch. Have you got, have you got a Royal? Royal. I will go with... Um, so you were saying about painting in here, man. It's like, uh, still haven't you been doing well I haven't, no because I was painting the bathroom so um, don't know what it is about Irish houses like I've lived in a couple now since I've moved over here they're they're very prone to getting mould oh yes the ventilation shape they're all their houses they're... no but any house that I've lived in whether mm. it's new build or whatever like that they've all got the one thing in pro- one problem and that is the bath it's either one it's always one room in a house at the moment in this house, it's it's the bathroom. It's understandable. Yeah, it's there's just, there's so many showers water, a day, yeah. but it doesn't matter how many windows you leave open twenty four seven or anything like that. It's all you always get some mold. It's it's just drives you crazy. So um yeah, so painting the bathroom probably the roof's probably been painted a thousand times since <laughs> I lived here. Um, I nearly broke my neck this week too. Actually, I really really Were was close. Was I walking? <laughs> just walking. No, I was stood on a stool. And I don't know what happened, but the stool kind of went in its two legs. And I literally, yeah, with a paintbrush, I was nearly You weren't Mrs. And Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where she's balancing on the two legs. You're no. trying to be all Angelina and being all sexy. That's not going to happen. No, I was the least <laughs> sexy. Like, I was the opposite end. Yeah, I was just, yeah. I wouldn't have sold that movie. And I painted all over it. So I'm like, great, I've done one room in the house. Everything's done. And then I hear Ethan going... Mommy, uh, Delilah's pulled my shelf off the wall. So I'm like, get one room sorted. And she's ripped the shelf off the wall. Um, So yeah, so that's my next project. When I get a wee bit of time is to sort Ethan's room up because Delilah's just... Bring bring a drill up the next time. Delilah, you always bring a drill up. Um, So... (laughs) So I have to fix that. I have to sort that out. See, she held off. This, this is. I think this is your tenth episode. She fucking held off, and it's creeping in. She can only hold it back for so long. This is what she's really like. I'm actually worse to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he lives me. Mm. Um. So yeah. So that's it. So I need to sort out that room. But yeah, mold. God. And and oh, another wee tiny rile. Come on, you know. Who who bought all my red lipstick? Everyone, because they're not making it anymore. You talked about it last week. No, you've got all the you've got all the other colors available, but every single shade of red. Now I told you there was only you and hookers. How many people do you see wearing red lipstick? No one. I told you there's you and hookers. I know, but like, can you please stop buying them hookers and leave them to, <laughs> to the... get fucking take up job? No, because like, there's none now. I have to go. I had to go for a different shade of red. You, you could you could be like hanging over. You got the boobs. You got the cleavage out. You got oh. your red lipstick. You could be leaning into cars. Hey, honey. That's how I got you. I landed yeah, into yours. <laughs> I was like asking for directions. I was yeah. lost. <laughs> <laughs> so for all we give up about Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, no. Ended up at your house. <laughs> oh, it's just it. down this way. <laughs> That's okay. I'll drive that you. back alley. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so that was that so all my lipstick's gone um still got foundation stuff like that but again if you go for any of the other lipsticks or anything yeah. like that the, so the girls lipstick. let us know i know you're all gonna be checking out the video for aries so mm. if you're checking them out for that let us know what's a good alternative to smashbox so that's your royal mm-hmm. um, so what are we going my smile then is it yes so uh well one smile one smile i got today i'll give it as my first smile people will know our former host cameron Oh yeah. So I think he only just told me today. I can't remember. Maybe got his results. But he only told me today. 
Got a first class honours in his Brilliant. journalism degree. Well so done, Cameron. Finished with a distinction. Good man, Cammy. You did better than I did. Mm. I'm still fucking bitter about the, the two one that I got, but I'm not getting into that. Mm. That'd be a lifetime royal. <laughs> fucking issues I had with tutors in college, but I'll leave it at that. But fair play, Cammy. Cammy got yeah. his first class honours distinction. So well done. That's that's a fucking hard. That's a hard slog. He's smart. And he was doing that while he was doing the podcast. He was working in the pub. Mm. He was doing his work experience on the so radio. Good. He yeah. was going to college. What a fucking! I've what said a man. that to you before. Fair play, Cam. He's such a good boy, yeah. isn't he? He's, he's great. Yeah. Real good, credit. Good, good head and shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, good man, Cammy. And my other smile, my, my big smile, is the Good Place. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've been I've been rewatching the Good Place. I think for the second, second or third full time. Mm. But I don't know what was happening. I don't know why I missed it the first time or the second time when I watched it. The fucking ending made me cry. Aww. I cry you my fucking <laughs> men and women can get yeah. them now. <laughs> um so yeah oh, three times three times what's the last episode an extended episode mm. fucking eyes are well enough for anyone that hasn't seen The Good Place absolutely fantastic show around ethics and morality and mm. uh, they go to The Good Place it's mm. really very interesting really very smart show um, and then they had a proper proper last episode mm. and I was Start crying? No, for fork's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bull shirt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. What the fork? Like, yeah, that's Delilah. Yeah, yeah. No, she's like fuck's sake. She started that in Belfast, and yeah. I never actually told you because when she said it, and I kind of went, "Did I hear that right?" Because I know she's going around. Okay, she heard going, it here the other day. She's walking around. She just goes, "What the hell?" That she gets from you. Yeah, I do drop of stuff, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Um. But then she said it in Belfast, and I was like, "Did I hear that properly?" You know, when you just don't want to ask, you know, mm-hmm. to repeat that. Mm-hmm. And then you heard her. Yeah. yeah. You looked at me <laughs> yes. and was like, "Did she say that?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Bad. So. Mm. Yeah. So the good place. If you, if you have watched the good place, let us know what you what you thought of it. Did you think the last episode was worthy? I, I thought it was good. I thought the end of it as as good as they could. So that's my smile. Is that our smiles and royals? Mm. Is that us? Is that us done? I think so. Okay. So with all of that, ladies. Flick over to YouTube. Check out this very <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> you stop flick away if you want. We don't care. We're not here to judge. We're not here to yuck someone's yum. <laughs> Areas are a good dude. So I hope you hope you enjoy the chat that we're going to have. So this week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, and the man that is coming to us all the way from Canada is uh, this. I can definitely say this is a conversation I'm going to enjoy. I don't know if anyone else is going to enjoy it, but I'm looking forward to getting into the music side. As I chat to the man that is Aeris Dejan. What's going on, man? What's going on, Alan? How are you, sir? Thanks for having I'm me. I'm good. You want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Aeris, before we kick on? Yeah, sure. Um, first off, I'm just really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation just as much as you are. I had a feeling that we would connect on a deep level. So I'm excited for your listeners to even uh, learn from our conversation today. So just thank you once again for having me. Um, uh, a little bit about myself. You mentioned I'm from Canada. I'm from Toronto, born and raised. I, actually, I, I did. I was raised in Niagara Falls for for a time being throughout my life, but mostly Toronto has been my home. And um, you know, I like to define myself just as a creator, an all around creative. Uh, I look at everything as art, and even conversations. You know, it's sort of like a lost art form. So I love to in, mm-hmm. indulge in. in open dialogue and just picking of the brains you know even if we disagree 
we don't have to agree, you know, we don't have to, you know, but we could still get along and coexist. So I look forward to, to moments like these today. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a host and creator and producer of the Who and How Club, which is a podcast, uh, the Who How Club. So badge. Uh, yeah, and uh, I do music. I work in the social services field. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I think, interestingly, you touched on something that I think a lot of people have forgotten about in this day and age, is that you can have differing opinions and still get on. <laughs> you know, someone someone's opinion doesn't need to define them. I think that's an important aspect to touch on because it's, I think it's, it's forgotten. Scary. It's scary when, like, you write someone off just because they've said one thing that you disagree with. Mm. But they could have said thousands of things that you yeah, always absolutely. agreed with. And that's why they're probably in your life. Right. But the moment they say one thing, you kind of write them off, you know, and it sucks that we live in a day and age where we see that like we never used to see it, but we're seeing it, especially on social mm. media, quote unquote, cancel culture. I don't even want to say that term because it's like a it's like the boogeyman. Right. And I think we're yeah, yeah. in a state where it's kind of dissipating. But, you know, it just sucks that you know that's how we are now now nowadays yeah so so, so you gave us the, the who what and where in your life at the moment there but how did you get to this point growing up was was a bit unique for me you know I, I don't i don't know my father so i was raised by all women in my family like i don't know i don't have a picture or a name or you know, there's like a piece of me that is unknown. So mm-hmm. I was really raised by women, my aunts, my uh, mother, my grandmother, and, you know, a lot of my cousins and my and I have two younger sisters. So I was the first born in the family and the first boy, um, first grandchild, right? Everybody after me were all women and girls and females or whatever. So I, I learned a lot of things that maybe your average guy doesn't get an opportunity to learn, you know, or is exposed to. So, you know, we moved around a lot growing up. Um, But I always loved art, you know, art always, I was always amazed by just like, you know, watching Michael Jackson's music videos on the television or, you know, watching movies with my grandmother, we'd always, you know, pop in a videotape and or go to Blockbuster together and rent (laughs) movies together. So, I didn't realize how much those things would mean to me. But when you're in that moment, you cherish those moments. It's like movie time with grandmother, you know, or like mm-hmm. dancing in front of the TV when a certain music video comes on and you're memorizing the, the routines. Art art was in my life from a young age. So, you know, it, it brought me to this point here sitting across, sitting on this screen with you, you know, so. Mm. I've had, uh, I've had many clients um areas that's um, particularly men that have haven't known their fathers and it comes with complications throughout life um maybe, maybe you can speak a little bit on it of you know not knowing where i suppose 23 your chromosomes came from not knowing a whole half of your family not knowing genetically is there illnesses growing up without a dad to kind of as a man to kind of just a man to kind of show you what it is to be a male and that kind of energy that you get. It leads to a lot of complications. It leads to a lot of questions. Have you had that experience yourself or what, what has your side of it been like? Uh, there have been difficult times for sure, because especially when it comes to 
you know, and I hate to be that guy or like a corny guy, but, you know, dealing with women, you know, I feel like there are some things that a male can teach a male that maybe women can't, you know, women definitely play a role in what they what they can teach their sons and their nephews and their cousins or brothers. Uh, you need both, though, I feel. And there's always that that component that was missing from my life. So those aspects I had to pick up on my own, you know, and. I think not having those uh, aspects might have, could have maybe prevented some of my errors or mistakes when it came to relationships or my interactions with, or decisions with, with, with females and stuff like that. Or, you know, in moments of feeling very weak, maybe I my, my father could have jumped in to remind me how to stay strong, right? Because that's the presentation of a man. A man can, mm. of course, you know, uh, no, <laughs> no need for tears, young one, you know, suck it up yeah. and wake up, you know? Sometimes you need that motivation from a male side to that battery pack in your back that maybe only a male mm. can provide. So I hope to do that for my children, you know, and be present. Uh, my goal has always been to not uh, repeat cycles in my life. And even though I've made mistakes, I've ensured that I don't make those same mistakes uh, or repetitive mistakes, you know. So that's that's the type of life that I'm at or try, aiming to live now at 33 years old. So, so uh, yeah, were you saying that you also, you said that you could relate. So do you not know your father as well? No, no, my dad, my, well, my, my dad was physically there. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think that's, that's why one way of describing it. Uh, I've, I've touched on it on the podcast before. My own dad was an alcoholic. My parents separated. Um, he was physically there, but mm, mm. No, not emotionally. Say, or... Under any other, under any other avenue was, was he there perhaps, right. you know, emotionally present or, or anything like that. Or, right. you know, I think I, I spoke about it on, um, on the, on the podcast recently myself. And it was like the, the American equivalence of, you know, there was no playing catch, mm. <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to, Hey dad, let's go play catch. Mm. It's like, get the fuck out. I'm watching the TV. <laughs> right. right. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, retrospectively, I look back, I, I was diagnosed myself with autism last year and retrospectively, I look back and I, and I believe he, I believe he, he is autistic too. So mm. obviously he's from a very, from a very different generation where there was, I mean, I was, I got to 44 without, <laughs> without knowing something like that. So as I look back, he wasn't there. And I suppose maybe there's a part of me personally that, that uh, just tries to understand it. Mm. And it's maybe, easier to understand it if we go oh well there he goes he, he was autistic or mm. you know stuff like that comes uh, into play for myself i'm just curious and playing the you know we're both creative so we'll yeah, you can you can tell you're the podcast host <laughs> <laughs> there's just those questions you gotta jump on isn't it you just gotta you gotta jump on it when to present themselves <laughs> well, it's a natural... and in my head in my head i'm going i know what he's doing i like, oh, remember that i remember that <laughs> It's a natural curiosity that we have for people. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I'm, I'm yeah, sure yeah. With you being a psychotherapist, you're you have that. Do you know what? And that's that's exactly what I what I do. I think that's why I love my job so much, and that's why I love the podcast so much. But having guests on is because it's a natural curiosity. Mm. I don't know you. I don't know your culture. I don't know your life. I don't mm. know your background. Mm. I want to, mm. and and that's interesting. You know, that's um, um, when people are genuine and I think authentic. I think that really resonates with people. Mm. So when you when you connect authentically on, on that sort of level and you just go, tell me about you. Let, let me know about this whole other person that isn't me that I can, lear I can learn from. 
Yeah, I, I have this saying now. It's like, just because we don't know each other doesn't mean we cannot know each other. A lot of people mm. shy away from interacting with strangers, let's say, like, or they keep a real tight circle because it's safe for them. Like, that's, that's what they know. That's who they know. And if I don't know you, there's no need to know you. But you can still know someone that you don't know and meet new people and, you know, have these conversations and learn from one another, you know? So what I was going to ask mm. earlier was, and not to be funny, aside from the autism that you got from him, what would you mm. say there are other things that you got from him or even your mother? Well, well I think, yeah, what, one thing I definitely got from him was uh, not a love of alcohol. <laughs> So I, I I seen I seen what it had uh, I seen the effect it had on my family. So yeah. you know I'm Irish. I'm not a big drinker. I know yeah. I know that may come as a <laughs> come you're as not, a you're not putting the stereotype there, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just be drunk. <laughs> Have a pint of Guinness. <laughs> yeah, where's the Guinness? I, I when I saw you lift up the mug, I'm like, I wonder what he's sipping. Yeah, that's, that's just that's just a straight talk <laughs> mental health podcast mug with yeah. uh, water in it. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Kids are kids around the world and kids can be little shits and they can be bullies and stuff like that. And a lot of a lot of clients have had, as I said, under those circumstances, growing up without a parent that may not be there. Was there bullying? Did you experience bullying and stuff like that of not having a dad or? Mm, good question. I suppose, when did it first become evident for yourself that you didn't have a dad and? Damn, you're going deep today. Um, <laughs> just you know and i have to be i I, tr I do my best to be as honest and transparent as possible because you know mm. and I, i'm open with my audience and stuff because i want someone to learn from my my experience right so just mm. before getting on the call with you i was on the phone with my mother and we i i enjoy having conversations with her but there are these little moments where the past gets brought up and it's like her perspective of things are totally different from mine, you know? And sometimes mm -hmm. I find that she doesn't really take accountability for things, you know, or she's not aware of how maybe her decision-making may have affected me, you know, as not, even when it comes to my father, you know, or the absence of my father, you know? Like my sisters, they know their father. I've always felt like, what's so special about me? Well, my father, like, who is this guy? You know, why, 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 you know? But those conversations become a bit difficult and I have to get off the phone and then just accept that, you know, her perspective of things as the mother, which I still respect, mm. is her own. It doesn't have to be mine, but it still hurts sometimes, you know? And um, I remember being in school and, you know, seeing people with their, seeing fellow students with their uh, fathers, you know, at parent-teacher night, let's say, or, you know, or even my cousins who I'm so close with, who I consider siblings, but they, they know their father. And their father has had to play a role in my life as well because I was he was there before they were even born. Before my cousins were born, mm. my uncle was born, or I uncle by marriage, right? He was he mm. was with my aunt when when they were teens when I was born. So he was he was sort of like a figure for me, but he was not my father. When he finally had children, you know, the attention gets gets geared towards them. So again, I, I'm absent. I, I don't have that in my life. Like once again, you know. But so those yeah. things have hurt, and of course, we all where I come from, bullying is referred to as hating. 
Like I've had haters, you know, <laughs> people who just hate good, yeah, yeah. people who hate good shit. You know, you're always gonna have that. If you yeah, don't have yeah. haters, that means you're not doing anything good. So, <laughs> I've had many, many haters in life, but um, I wouldn't say I've had bullies per se. I haven't experienced bullying, but I've worked with many youth who have experienced that. I've been exposed to it adjacent, just be, uh, based on my the work that I do, you know, and the people that I aim to serve, whether it's in the homeless sector, working with youth and youth justice and, you know, youth programming and stuff like that. I, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who have experienced that and I aim to prevent that for others, you know, so, yeah. You said you moved around, a, you moved around a bit as well, Ares. Uh Yes, yes. And even within the same city, you know, like a lot of times, uh, just a home wasn't, wasn't really stable for me until uh the age of 13 when i was placed in in the system in, in the child care system so prior to that we moved around a lot we we're moving living with these families that family sometimes my mom wasn't really around she left us with babysitters for like a long time like i was living with these families while she was elsewhere either working or uh, only god knows I, there were times where i didn't even know where my mother was you know so but she would come back around like maybe a year. Like I would be spending Christmas with different families and stuff. Like these are things that she doesn't remember, but I remember. And I will never forget these things because yeah. these things made me who I yeah. am. But I, I, I see that with a lot of clients who, you know, they, they bring up childhood stuff from, you know, from their past with their parents. And there's a lot of... Uh, denial? Selective memory yes. loss. And denial and yeah. lack of accountability. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hold it against her. She's still my mother to this day, but that stability that I'm referring to came when I had to make a decision to stay in foster care on my own, because I knew if I had come out, like she had gotten my sisters back, which was really great. But I knew if I went back into her environment, it wouldn't have been stable for me. So I had to make the decision to stay. And I stayed in uh, childcare from age 13 to 18. And at age 18, I moved out on my own because that's sort of like the process when you're in the system. They give you those options, independent living. Age out. Exactly. Well, they still support you a bit afterwards, but you can't live within the house. You know, that it's not, you now you're an independent. So mm -hmm. I've been on my own since then, since 18. So I'm 33 now, you know. So yeah. How did it come about then that you. So up, up to 13, but how how did it get to the point where you ended up in the system? Was there a particular mm -hmm. event or anything that happened there is that, yes. that, that it happened at that age? Yes, my grandmother called the system on on, on my mother, her child, of course, her daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I, my grandmother, who is also like a second mother to me, she was really tired of seeing that inconsistency. You know, my grandmother and I, we have a connection like no other, like I'm her first grandchild. So she was yeah. really tired of seeing us move around a lot and having inconsistency in our lives and not being in school and so many things, you know, and my mom, my grandmother just made the executive decision. And to her perspective, it was helping us. To my mother's mm -hmm. perspective, it's like, you're evil. Like, why would you do that? You know, so it, things have never been the same in the family ever since. They just, they just haven't, you know, my mother and my grandmother, they hardly speak. And I don't know. I don't know. It's like, that's your mother. You know, she was doing her best. She tried, she did something she thought was right. Just like you have, 
but there's still that disconnect. She doesn't get it. Like I could choose to not speak with my mother and my mother wouldn't be able to connect the two on her relationship with her mother and why. Like she doesn't speak to her mother for a reason. I have a plethora of reasons why I shouldn't speak or a plethora, yeah. sorry, of, of reasons why I shouldn't speak with her, but I still do. So if I can still speak with you, I'm sure you could still speak with your mother, but different generations, you know, people hold on to things and they don't change. They don't leave room for themselves to grow. They're unforgiving. But I think with therapy and my life and the things that I've gone through, it has forced me to be very forgiving to not only people external of myself, but also to myself, you know, so, yeah. Uh, I think it was last year, maybe, or maybe maybe a little over a year ago, we had a New York rapper Homeboy Sandman on after around his song called Trauma. Mm. And the first line of his song was, I got trauma from my mom. <laughs> and we spoke on, on that episode and around the song in particular. And you can, and I see it in clients as well. You can see this kind of inner conflict of, you know, you've had these negative childhood experiences. You, you know, you're, you're speaking the truth. However, there's this conflict that, that even with Homeboy that was there of, he still was reluctant to talk about his mother while telling the yeah. truth it's very scary yeah. it's very scary to be honest about your experiences or your wrongdoings mm. or your role that you've played the role that you've played in maybe hurting someone else you know it but it's a part yeah. of life like we all we all do damage and we get damage done to us a lot of the damage that we do sometimes are uh, a cause of the damage that was done to us because we don't know better or we're being exposed to something that like imagine just growing up in an environment let's say for you for an example you know you said that your father was present but he wasn't present you you could either yeah. you could go one of two ways with that that's going to affect you in the way that if you have children or if one day you do have a child whatever you you do the same thing you repeat that history yeah. Or you use that and break that chain and say you're going to do the opposite of what you were exposed to. But a lot of people aren't strong enough to do the opposite. They have to, they, mm -hmm. they, they emulate the exact, they mirror the exact same experience and they end up hurting other people. If you do end up hurting people, at least, you know, do it once and then don't do it again. Catch yourself, have that self-awareness that, you know what, that's not who I want to be. That's my father. That's my mother. I don't want yeah, to repeat yeah, that yeah. history. Because sometimes it takes that experience for you to learn, right? Like, if you don't make mistakes, how will you learn? But if you keep repeating those same mistakes, now you've just become everything you you disliked, or you've become the mm. things that have been done to you. You're doing, you're repeating the history and and developing more chains as opposed to breaking them. So, yeah, I I always make that point to clients, and you know, you you nailed it there. Is that you know I went the other way, and you know I made I made the very conscious decision to a conscious decision to make sure I did, I did the exact opposite, but I'd always say to clients to, to commend themselves of going, look, look how far this shit has mm. traveled. You know, this, you know, your parent did it to you. Their parents did it to them. Their parents did it to them. And then it got to you when you went, nah, fuck mm. that. No more. It goes no yeah. further. And, and you break that generational yes. curse. And, and that is breaking generations of, of trauma or abuse or neglect, whatever it may be, until someone comes along and goes, nah, this, this is where this stops. 
someone has to, right? Like who, who is it going to be? I, I yeah. think the family pays attention to that a lot. Like I've had my cousin even tell me, she has told me like, you know, Eris, you're going to be the one that makes it. You're the one in the family that's going to whatever, you know, it's like, it's acknowledged. People are watching in the family because some people don't have the capacity or the ability to do it. It's happening within the whole family, yeah. like turmoil. People are going through their own personal things. And then there's the family trauma. There's the individual trauma, the family trauma. And then you're trying to break family curses, but you're also trying to prevent creating your own at the same time. So it's like an ongoing struggle and, and challenge. You know, that's just life. Life is that, is an mm. ongoing challenge. And we're either going to embrace the challenge and accept the responsibility, or we're going to fail miserably and curl up in a ball, hide in our shell like a turtle, <laughs> and just allow things to happen to us however they want to, you know, so. You mentioned you mentioned uh, therapy yeah. here, so as, as something that helped you. What was that experience like for you? We're always trying to, obviously, as a psychotherapist, yeah. I'm a little bit biased, but we're always trying to advocate counseling and therapy for people yes. to, you know, to undo the kind of stuff we we've just been talking about. So, what was your experience like? Uh, it's been it's been very unique. I mean, throughout my life, the opportunity of therapy was always presented to me and kind of pushed on to me. It was like being forced and I would always shut it down, you know, and that's when I was younger, when I was probably a bit more angry than I am today, let's say. Like, I didn't really understand my emotions mm. when I was younger. So much things, so many things were happening to me. I was forced to grow up uh, quicker than my peers, you know, so therapy was always being presented, whether it was at school or through children's aid. And I would say, I don't need that. I'll, I'll deal with it on my own. I'll just pray to God and, you know. And I did deal with a lot of things on my own, but unknowingly, things were building up inside. And I wasn't aware of that. I thought I could, I, I didn't know that I was suppressing things. I was dealing with things in, in ways that I, sh and I was like patting myself on the back, like, hey, I'm a young person, but I'm dealing with these adult things and these adult emotions. And I'm, I'm strong, you know, but there are things that I'm not dealing with and they're building up inside. So Mm -hmm. And it's helped me. It's helped me put things into perspective and to uh, find forgiveness and, yeah, to actually speak with someone that I, is, is, a, is a stranger, <laughs> you know, yeah. and pick their brains on things. So, yeah. So, age 13, you, you end up in the system and that, that's Correct. foster care. Correct, is, that, yes. is that what that is? Yeah. What was that experience like for, for that young kid? To be honest with you, Alan, it was fun. It was fun. It, it was sad because I was yeah. afraid I was away from my family. But again, like being being raised a bit, like having to grow up faster than than your average child, I was used to it already. Even in being mm. in the care with my mother, my mother didn't treat us like children. I didn't get to do childlike things. She raised me as an adult. So I feel like I'm in my childlike stage now yeah. in my life. Like I get to enjoy life more of a child now than I, I did back then. So mm -hmm. when I was on my own in foster care alone or on my own, you know, uh, I was grateful to be in, in, in the environment that I had because my foster parents were very, they were supportive and they were like, I looked at them as my grandparents. So I, I, uh, I treated them as such. That got me, you know, like when you show, when you have manners and respect and, and you're nice and you're you're respectful to your elders, my grandmother always taught me respect your elders. She taught me those foundations. So that mm -hmm. got me far in my situation. But 
you know, what you said earlier about being exposed to something and then you making the choice to go the opposite route. That's what my experience was in the, in the system. A lot of the boys that came in, they really defined themselves based off of what they were going through. And it defined them in a negative manner. You know, they didn't, they were angry. I thought I was angry. They were angry. And they really went a different route than I did. I used my situation to my benefit. I wanted to get into the field. I wanted to give back. I wanted to do something different and use my experience. But they were so upset at what they were going through or their families that they went the opposite route. You know, I saw boys get arrested. I saw boys doing drugs and smoking weed and stuff and breaking curfew. And I never went through the things that they went through because I chose the different route. I, I, I had manners. I understood my situation that I was going through. And I always understood that there's something there. Someone has it way worse than I do. So I'm either going to use what I'm going through to my benefit or allow it to define me in a negative way. So, you know, my mom hates that I was in the in the system. She hates when I bring it up. She hates that I'm proud of being in, you know, she thinks it's, it's something that I shouldn't be proud of, but it's what I went through, mom. Like, I can't change the past, you know, it happened. Let's embrace it. Look, I'm, I'm alive, you know. Some guys are not alive. Some people I went to high school with are on baby number three. They still don't know what they want to do with their lives. You know, they have baby mamas all over the, you know, they're into drugs and they're, mm. they've gone to jail. You know, I, that wasn't, that wasn't me. I, I did something good with my, my experience. So I want you to be proud of that, but it's hard for her to grasp that, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, that the success of, of what you've accomplished kind of holds up a mirror to mm. what she didn't. As I said, you, you, this is this is true, the own hard work that you've done, but it also kind of holds up that mirror mm. to what she didn't do that necessitated you going into that position mm. in the first place. Uh, that's a good perspective. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. I would love to maybe do therapy with my mom one day. You know, I, so did I never you... thought about that, but maybe that's something... I'll, I'll try to pitch to her at one point in time, maybe in the future, you know, not, I don't think she's ready, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you stay with, with the one family then the one foster family heirs, was it, or did you move? I was lucky or? enough to finally find stability in that situation. You know, first time in my life, mm. um, there was a point where my grandmother, I'll share this with you. Um, I was in foster care from age 13 and for a few years, I was there. And then my grandmother, she came and she tried to swoop in and kind of take me out and take me under her wing. And she took me out of foster care. But by this point, I wasn't the grandson that she was, she once knew because now I've had independence. You gave me full-blown independence. I don't really want to live under your structure or roof. So we tried it for a little bit. It didn't work out. And she ends up calling the system back on on me for me to go back into the same into the system and you know this thankfully i had the same you know uh, worker and i was able to go back with the same family and that doesn't happen usually sometimes you get moved around or you miss that spot you know your spot isn't your spot is vacated you know maybe someone else has filled that spot so there's no room for you but I was lucky enough to be able to go back to the same house that I came from with the same family. And I ended up staying there until 
I got my independence uh, at age 18. So it was a roller coaster, and I still don't hold that against my grandmother. You know, she was just trying. She was just trying to fix a mistake that she felt maybe she made. You know, when initially calling on my mom, but my sisters had gone back with my mother by that point. So my grandmother thought taking me in it would help, but I was already I was developing in a in a fa- at a faster pace than she could ever imagine. And, I was independent. I didn't need, I didn't want to be under her structure or roof. You know, I'm out in the streets. I'm respectful. I'm taking care of myself, but I'm independent now. So I went back to the same family and they held me until it was time for me to move out on my own. So you, your sisters were also put into care, but, but they were in different, they were with different Correct. foster families. No, or they were together. As well, they were or... with a separate family and I was, uh, on my with with that family and and you mentioned the stability for probably one of the first times in your life, Eris, being a help. Did they have the same stability in their experience? Or mm, that's a great question. You're you're referring to my sisters. When they went back with my mother, it got a bit rough for them as well. You know, there was some inconsistency with there. There was there was some consistency for a while, but then some inconsistent moments until consistency came back into the picture and. Um, you know, she, like I said, like my sisters, they know their fathers. So they've had different support systems mm-hmm. than I ha- I've had. Like their experiences have not been mine. I'm the eldest brother. I don't know my father. I've only been able to lean on my mom and my grandmother and my aunts. But like my sisters don't have the same relationships with my aunts, their aunts as well, because the void that I have, my aunts have filled them. My sisters have mm-hmm. their voids filled in other ways like their fathers, my mother, um, you know, their other sides of their family and stuff like that. Like they know their other sides of who they are. I don't. So I've had to lean only on like my black side, you know, and my mom's family. So, you know, they've, they've been able to find stability finally that isn't in connection to my instability or stability. You know, they've had their own journeys and their experiences with my mother and their fathers and stuff. Um, so I'm happy for that, but yeah, we'll see if I meet my father one day, or maybe I'll never. Maybe it's not a part of my story, you know, to meet him. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, was that difficult for you then, Eris? That they they knew. I mean, uh, did did you ask your mom as you were growing up? Did you did she know, but or was she unwilling to disclose, or what what was that like? It was hard for me to not become jealous. You know, I never, I was never jealous of my sisters, Mm. never. The only time I did get jealous was when another boy came into the family. And that's my uncle by marriage, who I mentioned. Uh, Even with his daughters, Mm. he was still in my life. But once his son was born and he became the junior, you know, of him, I became jealous because I was the only boy up until that point. That was the only time I became jealous because now another boy is in the family. He has my, he carries my name as his middle name and uh, he knows he gets to know mm. his father and his father is someone I knew I knew his father before him why is he like I became jealous but never of my but I got over yeah. that of course and now we have second cousins you know cousins have had children I had to ensure that I never became jealous of my sisters that's something I never wanted to be I was happy for them that they knew because honestly I'm sure you understand this like knowing both parents doesn't always necessarily mean you have the perfect household or you're being taught, you know? Oh yeah. So that was their journey to have. And I never took from that or, or 
chastised them at all or brought that or put shoved that in their faces you know I was around their fathers as well in, in certain moments there was a time when I thought one of my sisters my um, the middle child I thought her father was my father when I was growing up until I had to be told like you know that's not your that's not your father you know so yeah but I was still I was still welcomed into those families you know I would eat dinner with the family Italian family dynamic and my sister's my my baby sister's father is Greek so that Greek feeling and the, the aura of family you know this family type of setting so I was never like ostracized or like pushed out I was invited in, into their family so there was never that jealousy or anything but yeah it was sad it was like what's so special about my father and and it's like this family's biggest secret like no one knows no one knows when my mother was pregnant she just because my mother used to model as well so she would travel a lot and a lot of the time she wasn't around so she would leave me with my grandmother and stuff but my grandmother told me you know when she came back from europe you know she was pregnant so no one knew no one met this guy no one knows who this gentleman is so it's a question mark mm. hence like the who and how club like these are two question marks you know pushed together it's it's the, the running mm. theme of my life question mark so i was told i was half italian you know my sister is half italian my other sister is half greek and then i'm told throughout my life mm. i'm half italian but then at some point it's like no i'm not half italian then what am i you know, just some sort of, I don't, half white, I, I like what white though, like where, you know, and I don't know, I just, I'll, I'll be damned if whenever I have children, if that's in my cards, you know, I just don't, I don't ever yeah. want to do that to anybody, any child. A man after my own heart, Iris, as a, as a former <laughs> rapper myself, I found escape yes. in hip hop yes. at a very young age. And I think that really got me through many difficult periods of life. How did it happen for you? Um, it was, you know, like I mentioned, like art, art was always, I knew that art would play a role. I didn't know how big it would, but I knew it would somehow, you know, my, my mother being a model and her, um, uh, her father, my grandfather has other children that aren't from my grandmother. So his son, which is an uncle of mine, uh, he was a breakdancer, very well-known and still well-known to this day. Uh, he's a breakdancer, he's a b-boy, Armageddon. So um, wow. knowing that growing up, I'm like, okay, it's in my blood, you know? And my, my ability to memorize routines every time a music video came on or, you know, I, I loved, I was collecting action figures and comic books growing up. My mom taught me a lot about comic books. That was our connection with each other. So I found joy in collecting and collecting colorful, you know, like I would collect markers and crayons and pencil crayons and organize them and just like, and draw, you know? And um, when, when finally, you know, I got into foster care, poetry found me. I always knew everything about music and the backgrounds and reading liner notes. And I, my mother would give me, I would always buy a new album every week. You know, when she she bought me my first CD player, I cherish that. And I have like a, a replica of that first CD player here in the package. I found it online and ordered it and it's in the background and it's with me. Oh, but wow. that's my mom bought that for me when I was younger. So buying albums and understanding lyrics and reading the liner notes and being intrigued on who pr produced what and 
and not having to read mm. liner notes, <laughs> but knowing who produced what, you know, like that, I just, that carried on with me. And when, when foster care hit, I found poetry and creative writing and uh, that story that I told you when my grandmother came in and tried to suit me in and take me back out. I was writing a lot of poetry at that time and she found one of my poems, but she misread it and took it as like a suicide note, but it was a poem. So she wasn't aware of my artistic abilities mm. at the time. You know, I was going to school, I was in dance clubs. Uh, I was the only boy in dance class and I was teaching boys uh, dance routines and performing at the, the shows. But she took it, she thought she misread it, you know? And that also played a role in her wanting to put me back in. She she didn't understand me anymore. You know, she she felt like she lost me because I was already exposed to so much when I initially went in. I can't adapt back. I can't go backwards. I'm, I'm moving forward in my life. So, and just making music, you know, like just finding the love to, to find my voice and create and put that on record and, being you know i don't know how you feel about the new hip-hop today but i'm still attached to like a certain kind of hip-hop and rap but that that was the genesis of the podcast because peter who uh, originally set up the podcast with myself you know we were former rappers we were we were in the group together and you know we spoke about that 90s hip-hop and just the boom bap and you know that's 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 in our dna and it's really in the <laughs> dna of the show because without myself and peter knowing each other through music there wouldn't be a straight talking yes. mental health podcast. Yes. It's art. It's art. All of this, you and I being able to, you know, do this today, it's just, it's some, we're utilizing someone's creation to create even more art. I just appreciate art and the role that it played because without it, I don't think, I truly don't think I would be here if I didn't understand what, or, or find the ability to express myself in different ways, you know? I would have gone crazy. I would have. Yeah. I would. Actually, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the podcast before, but hip hop had such an influence on me. So as, as a teenager, my parents were breaking up and that was just, you know, it was obviously a, a very difficult time in my life and I escaped through music. But I, I, I got kicked out of school. Um, but it was really that interest in hip hop mm -hmm. and the likes of Public Enemy and the uh, um, you know, the sort of political or educational, mm -hmm. what was it, the KRS one called it, edutainment, that sort of thing, with, with such an emphasis on knowledge. And that that inspired mm -hmm. me to go back to school. That that was the influence that hip hop had in my life, the likes of Chuck D and KRS one or so many other rappers from the time. That was a, that was mm -hmm. a, a catalyst for me making a decision to. to and go that's back what hip hop. Knowledge and, is power. And that's what hip hop was that. meant to do to inspire us to, to make those types mm. of uh, moves in our lives, to be inspired to, to do more with our lives and to remind us of who we are and the power of creation and art and expression, you know? And I'm happy you mentioned KRS-One. Like I have an autograph of KRS right in, hanging in front of me right now because I met him, no. I met him during my teens. No I went to watch him speak. <laughs> You have to respect him, but that's what hip hop represents, you know, and it's supposed to represent. That's why I can't relate to what's happening now. It's like in music, like promotion yeah. of killing so much. And before there were anomalies, you know, you had like the DMX, which was like a hardcore rapper. He was, there was a, he was very niche, you know, it was like horror, horror mm -hmm. core rap, you know, like just, and, and you would embrace that still <laughs> because he's one of one, but 
if all the rappers now are just talking about killing people and these guys are not separating their lives from their art like they're still they get into art and they're still doing these illegal activities and kids are looking up to them it's only creating a real toxic generation yeah. you know that's that's to come and it just sucks where i don't consider that hip-hop it's rap for sure it's rap they're rap but it's not hip-hop i've always kind of considered the kind of uh through line of of hip-hop being you know the the kind of late 80s as it got more popular of being very anti-drug <laughs> yeah you know to the 90s the gangster rap era of the rappers so the rappers were anti-drug then the the 90s the rappers yeah. became the drug dealers and nowadays hip-hop quotation marks nowadays rap music they're yes. fucking drug users yes. <laughs> They're all talking Whoa, about using quick. all of the drugs. And it's like, no, no, you sell them or you're against them. You're not meant to be using them. <laughs> and looking like you used them. <laughs> you were killing me. And, and, and going back to your point about the drug dealers, they were once drug dealers and stopped. And now they rap about their drug dealing days. Yeah. Like, or lied about their drug dealing days right. for credibility. But once you made, into the, made it into the industry, you now let go of your past life. They didn't intertwine. Mm, mm. You you got into the industry because you were getting you were trying to get away from that activity that you were forced to partake in, whether it's being the dealer or whatever. Um, but now it's like it's yeah. so embraced to be an indulge an indulger and and promoting it yeah. through the, the music yeah. and the lyrics and it's just scary to me. It's scary. You mentioned poetry also being a big part of of, of your yes. creative process, but did that stem out of the hip hop, or was that a, well, a totally like even even avenue, this month, or? I have a perform like a a poetry performance coming up. So you know, they I I perform them separately, and I work on different like you know I present them to the world in mm. different ways. But uh, poetry became rap for me. I I started with poetry. And then it formed into, you know, I, I never had beats growing up. I would write to like beats in my head and I would write lyrics for my friends yeah. who didn't even rap. Like they didn't know that I was even doing this. I would create verses for people that didn't even rap, but I was structuring these songs and understanding verses and all of that by listening to other music, you know, like and taping, you know, a recording, like whenever my favorite song would come on the radio, I would take a tape and teach myself how to record so I could have my own mixtape and stuff. And just writing just meant so much to me in words. Words meant, you know, even today, this morning, every morning I wake up, mm. I read, and I, I can't read without studying what I'm reading. So I have to write things down so that I could go back and review things. And then what I also do, if I come across a word that I've never spoken or heard before, I find the definition and I have a, a word book where I put my words and new words in, and then I'm I study those on a day-to-day -day basis. And I always knew that words meant, that's why when I, when I speak with a girl or a new girl, I really pay attention to how she texts me. Cause I get turned off very easily. If she does not text me with any punctuation. Ashling <laughs> is gonna love listening back to this because both myself and Ashling have been like, yeah. you know, on dating apps when we were single. And, yeah. tech, and it's all tech speak. And she, she has literally, and she's admitted to me, and, and I'll get her to talk about it on the podcast. She's like, she has like 
unmatched yeah. guys that have been yeah. tech speaking or yeah. like yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. hell man buy a vowel you know speak properly. <laughs> nowadays it has to take more effort to write tech speak because it's all predictive text. The four more today are fucking used them. Um, if you text like that, only God knows how you speak verbally, right? It's like scary. That's how I look at it. So I get turned <laughs> off very easily when it comes. But words, words have really meant a lot. And I think before yeah, I yeah. speak, even you know, and I pay attention to the Stoics and learning from them. And mm. I don't, I don't look up to many poets, but I look at the rappers as poets and the ones that I look up to are Jay-Z and DMX and yeah. Pusha T and the KRSs, you know, those, and word like LL Cool J, words meant a lot to them. So that's why I, I do my best to emulate them. Yeah. I think, I think you mentioned early, earlier on of how that upbringing has led into yes. your work life now. Yes. Uh, where has it brought you? In, when in I, when I was in foster care, I told my, my social workers, you know, I want to do this kind of work. And they said, well, well you're going to have to go to school and you're going to have to do this. Or like, you know, kind of down talking me, downplaying my dreams. So I said, you know what? I don't think I want to be an actual social worker or work within the child care system, like being a, like children's aid. But I do want to be in some sort of social services environment where I can work with the community, work with young people who are maybe in similar situations that I'm in or have been in um, and work my way up from there. And the Lord, the gods gave me an opportunity to do just that. And I used my life experience to get into the field. You know, those are still skills that I could use, including my life experience to get into the field. So I got into, you know, non-for-profits. And uh, some of those not-for-profits, I was a volunteer or participant. And they ended up giving me opportunities to get paid. And mm. I worked my way up to become coordinators, to become a coordinator or manager. Then I got into the, um, the shelter, uh, the homeless sector in the management capacity. You know, I never worked frontline. I, I, I immediately got into the management aspect of things. And again, I'm grateful, you know, and... I've been in the field for some years now and uh, now in project management with healthcare uh, agencies. And now I'm working towards getting back into like the, the school environment, working for the, um, yeah, the district school boards in my, in my city, you know, like I just applied to a position last night. So I, I, I pray I get it, you know, but I never went to school, Alan. I wanted to prove everyone wrong. Even even mm. in the non-for-profits, my mentors oh. told me that I couldn't do what they did without schooling. And once they left, I became them. So so I, I, I wanted to <laughs> prove people wrong. But then as I grew older, and even now in my stage that I'm at, I'm like, it's not about proving anybody else wrong. I've been there, done that. Now I need to prove to myself. It's about me. It's not about others. It's never, I use that for motivation mm. and inspiration. But now that I'm here, what's next? I can't live my life trying to prove others wrong. I got to prove me right. So, so that's, that's the mission mm -hmm. that I'm on now in my, in my day-to-day -day life. And I try to promote through the podcast and when having conversations with people. It's about you. It's not about other people. You know, It took me a while to learn that. Perfect segue. 
Tell us about the podcast. Tell us about the who and the how. So Tell us uh, all yeah, the who stuff. and how club. You know, I call it who and how. You know, I and and cl- I add the club on it because I feel like in this life that we all live, and I've never defined it as this or shared this, but I'm gonna share it with you. Like, I f- I believe that we're all a part of this secret club, which is uh, being alive. You know, being humans or beings, however you want to define yourself. Uh, I think we're more than just human, you know, and we have to start looking at ourselves as that. And for those who are open to that sort of mind frame, you're a part of this club and you understand that, you know, you are the who and how of this world. So the platform focuses on who you are and how you became who you are, that journey. Uh, You know, because my life revolves around my journey, I'm aware that that stuff that I've been through, the stuff that I'm going through and the things that I will go through will shape me and has shaped me into this person you see sitting in front of you. So it takes a level of awareness to, to, to understand these, these concepts, you know, that we're actually living and experiencing on a day to day. But a lot of people don't take the time to even reflect on their day. Like the things that you went through that day, your thoughts, your feelings, your interactions, we get an opportunity to restart tomorrow. But how will we be re- be ready for tomorrow mm. if we don't reflect on today? Fuck 10 years ago. 10 years ago is gone. Like, you cannot do anything about that. Accept it. Under- remember it. Don't mm. forget it because it has shaped you. But don't live in that. But maybe something more recent you could use to your advantage in your present. Like last week, let's say. Like maybe you said something to someone and you really didn't mean that. You know, so make sure you don't say that again tomorrow or address it or call them and say, you know what? I didn't mean that. Let me express it differently today. So that's what the Who and How Club represents. You don't have to be a creator to be on on the platform or, you know, you just have to be a being and being be open to have this type of dialogue that you and I are having today and understand that just because we're strangers doesn't mean we can't learn something from one another. So. Where, where can people find out more about all of that, about the podcast, sure. about your music, uh, about your poetry? Yeah, so the Who and How Club. Send them, tell and, them where to it's go. It's not the Who <laughs> and, it's with an ampersand. So the Who and How Club with the symbol. Uh, look mm. us up. You could Google it or go to the website whohowclub.com or at whohowclub on all social media platforms. And you could find me there as well, at only one Eris, uh, O-N-L-Y, the number one and my first name, A-R-Y-S. And you can find my website, my bio, and all the things that I have going on at the moment and that I'm working towards. So, you know, thank you, Alan, for having me today. And I'm really excited to get you you on my platform. How about when you come on the Who and How Club? We'll both both share something. So the the playing grounds are are even. I I want you to hold me to this. When you come on the Who and How Club, Maybe you could share something from something you've written in the past or if you've written something recently. All right. I'll have, I'll, to, I'll, I'll have to go I'll listen to some more songs we'll like some lyrics. But... And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure the people will enjoy it. Or we'll even release that as a separate episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So. What did I tell you? I told you he was a good looking dude if you checked out the video. And absolutely gentleman as well on top of that. What a really nice guy. You know, one of these guys like, ah, oh, you're really nice. You're really handsome. Bastard. I'm going to have to check him out now. You <laughs> Hey, put what, it away. What's his name? So while she while she purves away, while she's checking him out, I uh, just want to say a huge thank you to Ares for coming on and sharing his story. What it was like for him growing up without a dad and the stability that he that he finally found in foster care. 
I think really accounted for where he is in his life at the moment. So really good dude. And I'm really looking forward to jumping onto his podcast as well. Should be, should be a good, good conversation. Nice to have the questions asked as I was on the reflective doc whose episode has gone out on with my episode on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Reed, who we had on. So you can check that out, the reflective doc and my episode. Big thank you to those for coming on, telling their stories and for having me on to tell my story on their podcast. If you want to check us out on the social media, you can do that. Ashley, tell them what to do. Right. Where can they find us first? Any street corner. No, TikTok. <laughs> Not Facebook. you, us. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Jesus, right. Okay, right, okay. Uh, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yeah. that's at STMH Podcast. Yeah, well done. And if you want the website, it's .com at the end of that. There you go, www.stmhpodcast.com. Yeah. We are coming up on 100 episodes. I don't think we'll have a guest on for 100 episodes. I think we should keep that as just something for ourselves, just to mark mark the podcast. So maybe what we do is ask people to uh, maybe send in their, some of their correspondence, some of their comments, something they've taken from the podcast over the 100 episodes, something that stood out for them, something they've learned. If you were a guest that we had on, please let us know what your experience was like. Um, what was the feedback like around your own episode? Please let us know what the podcast has meant to you. A lot of work has gone into those 100 episodes. A lot of work continues to introduce more work goes into the episodes now because there's, mm-hmm. there's a YouTube channel, there's YouTube videos. So if you've taken something from the podcast, please let us know. Just drop us an email, hello at stmhpodcast.com or slide into any of the DMs on the social media. Drop a comment under any of the things. Drop a comment anyway, drop a share. Just let us know what the podcast has meant to you. What's something you've learned from it? Did it help you through a difficult time? Let us know and we'll and we'll we'll collate those then on the one hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? Yeah. That's just came to me. So mm-hmm. sound all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um you can check us out on YouTube. Please do like, comment, and subscribe. That's really gonna help us out. And what's also gonna help us out at a big time is five stars mm-hmm. on Spotify, not iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Although maybe I think iTunes is still out there. But oh, anyway, wherever you can, drop us drop us mm-hmm. five stars. That's gonna mean an awful lot to us. Do you have anything to say before we finish? No. No? All right. So before we leave the last word with Aries, we're just going to give our shout out at the end. And that is we will be back seven days. Same bad time. Same bad channel. But in the meantime, look after yourselves and look after someone's mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before we let you depart, Aries, one of the one of the things we ask of every every guest that comes on is to maybe share some words of wisdom, some life learning, something they've taken from this life so far that, you know, however hard, hard won that wisdom has been that they'd like to share with our listeners. Is, is there anything in particular that you could share with our listeners of what you've taken from this life so far? I'm not, I, I want people to listen to other people. People are always going to have an opinion about you and they're going to try to guide you and sh- maybe put their experiences or their perspectives on you. It's okay to listen to them, but that doesn't mean you have to take everything that they've said and implement implement those things into your life because you need to remember that your life is your life your journey is yours your your story is yours you're the star of your movie and your movie can only go however you want the script to go everyone else is a co-star everyone else might only make a cameo in your movie but you are the star and you're also the director and the producer some people will come along and be your assistant and help you produce and help you direct but it's it's your say at the end of the day so no one can throw you off the game, off your game. No one should have enough power to do so. No one should convince you to do 
the opposite of what you believe is to be right for yourself or the journey that you want to take. If you believe in yourself wholeheartedly, continue to do so and never sway from that just because someone else tells you you cannot do something or you may have to do what they had to do. You don't have to do what they have to do. You could actually break barriers and do something different so that someone else coming along can learn from you. When they see that you've broken the barriers and did something different, you've now set a new tone different from what everyone else has done. They set tones for other people who wanted to learn from them, but other people will come in and want to learn from you because you're the different, you're the contrarian, let's say, you know? So just remember that. Remember that when you're operating and maneuvering through your day-to-day. And uh, don't be so hard on yourself. Mental health. Mental health. Health.